give him all the glory. He's the Alpha and the Omega. If you don't, familiar, that means he's the beginning and he's the end. And actually, we don't really have enough words to describe what that really means because he's eternal, which means he's always been, not just beginning and the end, he's always been, and he will always be. And so how do you write that out and make it into a melodic thought? Well, you say he's the Alpha and the Omega because that's what he says about himself. Amen. Amen. I've, I've got about 10 minutes. They, they told me I have about 10 minutes. Uh, and so that's not really true. You wish I only had 10 minutes, but that's not the case. I would say Merry Christmas to you. Yes. Noel, come and see what God has done. Noel, the story of amazing love. And this morning we say, Noel, grace found in a manger. Grace for his church, his mercy, all because of his love. All because of his love. He provided these gifts. Heaven came down, he came down from heaven. Born of a virgin. And this is what he says to you this morning. Listen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen. This morning, I want to remind you, we've been in a series, and the series has been Noel, come and see what God has done. And if you've been with us the entire month of December, the Advent, as it were, has come forward for you to be able to see what happened in the past and what happened now, what's happening today, and what's happening in the future. So some of you haven't been with us all month. That's obvious by the amount of people in the building this morning. And so what I wanted to do was give you an opportunity to just kind of summarize and encapsulate what we've been teaching you all month long. And we're going to do that through the use of a video. Can we play that video? This is this video, The Unlikely King, A Christmas Story. Four hundred years had passed since the prophets had fallen silent. Their voices of wisdom and challenge but distant echoes in the annals of time. As if the universe itself was holding its breath, waiting. The world lay lost in darkness, held in the grip of the Roman Empire's power. Yet, in this prolonged silence, against this canvas of despair and anticipation, Destiny was quietly weaving a tale. Something small, something seemingly insignificant is happening in a little town called Bethlehem. Not a capital, not a hub of commerce or power, but a tiny whisper of a town 
here, amidst the overlooked and ordinary, a child is born. But this is not just any child. This is the universe exhaling, releasing that held breath in the form of boundless hope and promise. This child is the antithesis to empire, to domination and oppression. He's a new kind of story, a story of love, of a kingdom built not on might, but on selflessness. His path wasn't one of palaces or grand courts, but of dusty roads, stormy seas, and intimate dinners with the most unexpected of guests. He taught on hillsides and in quiet corners. He sought out the lost, healed the sick, and elevated the outcast. In a world dominated by power, he washed the feet of his disciples. The servant king, lamb of the living God, father, son, savior to all the world, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. And the thing is, in the midst of this immense, mighty Roman narrative, it's this humble story that endures, that changes everything. It's a cosmic reminder that love, hope, and grace, they have a way of lighting up the darkest corners. And they start small, always. So in our world, with its own empires and powers, darkness and silences, may we remember Bethlehem and that humble stable. May we remember that God's work often starts in the quiet, in the unexpected and overlooked. And maybe, just maybe, that's where we should be looking. So inside of that, the last three weeks, and in that video, we tell you what was said about him what was said about Jesus, what took place. In eternity past, it was predicted he would come, and then he came. And he was born of a virgin, and he was born of lowly estate, born in the exact town that they predicted he would be born in, raised in the exact town that he was supposed to be raised in. But as I thought about that, I thought about this. What about the things that Jesus said about himself? Have we talked much about those? What does he say about himself? You need to consider that. The first time we ever hear words from Jesus, he's born in a manger, we're told all about that, but he never speaks. Very interesting. How many of you remember the first time he ever spoke in the Gospels? Most of you probably don't, and that's okay. That's why we're preaching this morning, so we can describe that to you. The first time he ever spoke, he was 12 years old. His mother and father had gone to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and he was with them, and they left. And like some of you parents, they left their child behind. Um, and a 
it took them a full day before they realized that they had left him behind. So they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. It took them three days to find him. Can you imagine the hearts of the parents that are looking for him? I would say their blood pressure was elevated and their heart rate was high. And where did they find him? They found him in a temple. They're preaching with learned men around him, answering questions and asking questions and back and forth. And his mother, like any good mother, scolded him. Where have you been, Jesus? We couldn't find you. We've been looking for you for three days. I cannot imagine what my mom would say to me if I was missing for three days. And what is his answer? And listen to this. This is so important. He says, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Did you not know I was being about my father's business? I would be in his house. Oh, that sounds like a simple sentence. But he's announcing that he's the son of God. I would be in my father's house being about his business. That's where you could look for me. Interesting thoughts. Something he said about himself. I'd be in my father's house being about his business. They loaded him up and took him back. <laughs> and he, it says he grew in wisdom. He grew in wisdom. He already was at 12 teaching everyone about the truth of who God was and is. And it's interesting because the next time we hear from him is 18 years later. So do your math. He was 12. 18 years later, he would have been 30. That's correct. Good math students in the room. And this is what he said in this circumstance out of John. For I have come down from heaven. Who says this kind of thing? When I ask you where you're from, please don't say I've come down from heaven. There's only one that could say that. And he states it. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. Here we go again. But the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. People, he's talking back then about you and about me. All that the Father gives me, all the one that sent me gives me, I'm here to fulfill his will. And all that he gives me, I will not lose one of them. Hello? He will not lose one of them. But he said he'll raise them up on the last day. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit determined in eternity that since the world would turn its back on God and instead of leaving us to ourselves, he says, we're going to need to do something to restore relationship. We got to be somehow reconciled to these creation that we have down there that have turned their back on us. What kind of God is this? That he would say, they can't get to us. 
They've broken relationship. He finds you dead in your sins and trespasses. Here's the good news. He would send the second person of the Trinity, his only son. And he says, for this purpose I was born, and for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. I want to tell you something. If you're here this morning and you think, well, I'm not, I don't need anything, well, that's not true. That's just not true. I 1,000% unequivocally disagree with you. If you're here without Christ, you are in great need. For he came to seek you out and to save the lost. Anyone that says they're saved that said, I was looking for Jesus. Let me tell you, you might have felt that way, but he came looking for you. And if you're here this morning and you don't know this Jesus, this Savior of ours... He's looking for you. Ah, that's, that makes hide and seek a whole kind of different game, doesn't it? When the God of the universe says, I came to seek and save. Why Jesus came? He came for that reason, to seek and save the lost. And then in Mark, after multiple miracles, we see him casting out demons and healing the sick and the diseased people in chapter 1 there. And, And we see this happen, and I want to get to this. In chapter 2, there's a paralytic. He's already healed sick people. He's already healed people from diseases. He's cast out demons. He's done all these things. And then he's in a room, and everybody's finding out about this man. If you knew someone that could heal your loved one of cancer, what would you do to get that person to that individual? You'd You'd travel as far as possible. You'd do everything you could to get your loved one in the presence of that one well there's a paralytic and he comes to a house and he has his friends bringing him he can't get there himself so he has four men that are bringing him along with him and so they they get to the house they can't even get to the doorway it's so crowded they can't get there so what do they do there must have been an engineer amongst them they decide they'll take the roof off the building and they lower him down on a pallet and what does christ do there Well, here's what he says. He says, your sins are forgiven. Because of your faith to come here, your sins are forgiven. Now, knowing that he's a paralytic, he can't walk, that seems kind of anticlimactic. Your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees that were amongst him, because they were always following him, trust me, anyone that threatened their power source, they would probably follow. They were there, and in their hearts, they said nothing out loud because they were probably too afraid at that point. But in their hearts, they said, who is this guy that claims that he can forgive? Who is he to forgive sins? Who is this man? And Jesus might have said, well, I'm Emmanuel. I am God. I'm not just some man. I'm God. I can heal. Only God can forgive sins, they say. And he goes, yeah, exactly. Exactly, he says. That's who I am. You see, you're here today. You came here this morning. And you probably have some needs. And some of those are physical. 
Maybe your blood pressure is high. Maybe your heart's racing. Maybe you've got, been, been told you've got cancer. Maybe your marriage has fallen apart. You see, Jesus cared enough that not only did he forgive the man's sins, but he didn't leave him in the physical condition that he found him in. Because he said, oh, just so that you'll know that I am who I say I am, not only am I forgiving your sins, but only, a God, only God could do what I'm about to do. And that is, pick up, get up, get up. Now, the man's never walked in his life as far as we know. Go ahead and get on up. And by the way, the pallet you came in on, take that on out of here with you. And you might ask yourself, and I'm running over time already, imagine that. You might ask yourself this question. Why did he do it in this fashion? Why didn't he rescue him from his physical ailment and then save him and forgive his sins? Well, there's some logic to that. Because his physical need was a temporal need. His being able to walk did not change his eternal destination. You see, you're here today with those problems that we talked about. Your marriage is failing. Your kids won't do what you ask them to do anymore because they're over the age of seven. <laughs> and wait till they get to be teenagers. You got these different issues. But if you're here this morning without knowing who Jesus Christ is, your condition is far worse than any of those things. And this is why Jesus did it this way. He says, who could forgive sins? Who can do that? Only Jesus Christ can do that. Only he is the one who died on the cross that provided a way for you to be reconciled back to his father. Because you were dead in your sins and trespasses. But my Jesus, who is rich in mercy and rich in grace and loves us so much, he would bestow that grace upon you this morning. And that's why we say there was grace found in the manger. It was a moment. I wonder if any of those waters are mine. But the mercy of God was on full display. Where love outweighed the crimson stain, the sin which made communion with God impossible. This death, this stench sent from the depths would no longer be left to permeate the hearts of man. The Creator was longing for His creation. For on this day, love made a way for grace to take away, erase, replace our brokenness. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son, the promised one had come to change our eternity. That 
moment in Bethlehem, in a lowly stable, under a starry sky, Jesus was born. Our Savior, our Messiah. Grace in a manger. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. He's rich in mercy. He's rich in grace. What do those terms mean? Mercy and grace. Mercy means I'm not going to sentence to the sentence that you deserve. I'm not going to sentence you to what you deserve. But instead, I will enact grace. Through my son, I'll give you something that you could never deserve, that you could never earn. That's grace. It's unmerited favor. The unmerited favor of God. So, what we've said so far this morning, what we've said about him, and the people, I know he said a whole bunch more about himself than what I said this morning. Trust me, but you don't want to be here till New Year's, do you? <laughs> but what we said was we said some things that he said about himself that only he could say. But now the question is, what do you say about him? If, do you have anything that you would like to say to Jesus? If you already believe in him, what would you say to him this morning? If you've never placed saving faith in Jesus Christ who came in a manger born of a virgin who performed multiple miracles to prove that he was the son of God the prophets prophesied he proved he was the son of God and he did all of that and he went to a cross to fulfill the will of his father that you might be reconciled back to him what would you say to him what is it that you would say this morning? You know, we get caught up in the Christmas thing. We'd say, we're at a big birthday party this morning. And here's the thing. You ever have to go to a birthday party and you have no gift to give? But the one that's throwing the party has got a gift for you. This morning, if you don't know him, you came empty-handed. And that means he's able to do something when you no longer rely on what's in your hands. What would you say to him? What do you want to say to Jesus this morning? Perhaps you would pray. Perhaps you would say, well, I don't know how to talk to Jesus. And you know what? You're right. If you don't know him, you certainly don't know how to talk to him. I'd love to introduce you to him. I would love to introduce you to him. There has to come an acknowledgement from you that says, I need a Savior. And one has been provided. It's not based on my works. It's not based on anything I do. It's based on the free gift that was in the manger that grew up, that died on a cross for you. 
and was buried and was raised again because he said he would raise you if you believed on him. So he had to be raised so he could raise you. Amen. Perhaps you could talk with him this morning. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to raise a hand. Although I don't think if you're at that point that you should be ashamed to raise a hand. Or you would be ashamed to walk an aisle. Most of you that I know that got saved, you said you would have ran down the aisle. And we want you this year, Christmas Eve 2023, all that you would meet my Savior. All that you would be able to see him for who he is. Is there anything that you'd like to say to him, knowing that he came and he died on a cross for you? He was buried and rose again and all of the things to fulfill the will of his Father that you through him could be reconciled back, brought back to life because you're dead in relationship to the Father if you don't know Jesus. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who beholds the Son listen, he's talking. This is Jesus talking. I'm not Jesus, this is his words. For this is the will of my Father. Once again, identifying himself as God and being one with the Father. That everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And here's that second phrase. He says, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. All that you'd meet our Savior. All that you would get eternal life today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that in your plan in eternity, you look down through the time of man when you would create him, knowing that you would send your Son one day to reconcile us to you. And those of us, all the world, did not deserve your son to die for us. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't do anything to deserve it. But you sent your son that he would die so that you could be gracious and show mercy to us. And then you even went a little further. You said, you know what, in and of themselves, they won't even believe it. They don't even have the wherewith within them to have the faith to be able to believe. So even that I will give them. Oh, you gave and you gave and you gave. For God, you love the world so much that you would give your only son, your only begotten one. That if we would just turn from our wicked ways, as it were, and look upon him and say, I believe what you did on a cross for me, Lord. I believe what you did. I put my trust in it. You said if we did that, we could have eternal life and not perish. And perishing is eternal. It's forever, Lord. But you said if we believe on him, we could have eternal life with him. Oh, what a difference it makes to know the one that gives eternal life. Church, with every head that's bowed here, I'd like to ask you, is there anyone in the room that would say, I want to know this Jesus? 
I want to know him. If you would say that, could you raise your hand just so I could get an idea and know how to pray for you? Could you raise your hand and say, oh, I want him. I want to know this Jesus. The miracle worker Jesus. The one that connected us back to his father. I see your hands. Thank you. Lord, I ask you, this morning, on the eve of us celebrating the greatest thing that ever happened to humanity, and that's when he came down, when he came all this way, and all he really wants is to make your heart his home. And in those hands that were raised, oh, I pray they'd have the courage to come and talk to one of the pastors down front. And that their eternal destination will be changed December 24th, 2023. Lord, that's why we gather. We gather to celebrate you, and you would love us to celebrate you by telling the world about you. That's the ultimate celebration. So we've done that here this morning. Oh, will you stand with me, church, and sing this song.